Welcome to the Growing Our Future podcast with Gardopia Gardens. My name is Stephen Lucky, and I am here with an amazing guest today. As you know, we speak to individuals in the educational, health, and environmental sectors who are doing great work in our community and in our planet to create a healthier, more sustainable society. So with that being said, I want to introduce Angeles Mendez with Project Protect Food Systems. What's Hi. up? Hi. Thank you, Stephen, for having me. Well, what's up? My name is Angeles Mendez, uh, born in Mexico, Veracruz, Mexico, and, you know, I became enrolled in Project Protect Food Systems. Actually, we are an organization that is branched out from Frontline Farming based out of Denver, Colorado. And what we do is pretty much similar to the work you do, which is advocating, protecting, or agricultural workers. Mm -hmm. And we based not just health, but also human rights and equity in everything that surrounds the agricultural worker. Let's see, I, um, I have been living in Colorado since 2000 when my family and I migrated here from Mexico. It has been very hard. Back in Mexico, we were agricultural workers ourselves, and we just pretty much traded a place for another, and we continue doing our agricultural work. My mother is an agricultural worker herself. I became an agricultural worker, and, you know, my mother eventually pushed us to be better. Think the greatest advice that she ever gave us is, you know, ponte las pilas. That means get your batteries in place, go to school, yeah. you know, and uh, we did. And my youngest little brother, baby brother, UB just graduated from May. He's the last of us. I graduated from oh, university, yeah? so oh. yay. <laughs> I'm with it. Yes, yes. So we're very happy, very proud. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about education because education is key, and I'm sure that through you being educated, you were able to be involved and advocate for folks in the agricultural world. So, you know, what really got you into this from an advocacy standpoint? Tell me a little bit about that. Okay, so as I told you before, we became ag workers. Mm -hmm. But as a young girl, I always knew I wanted to be part of the medical world either a nurse or a doctor. Sure. You know, when you're a kid, you dream of becoming a superhero, but sure. when you grow up, it's different. And one of the things that I don't talk much about, but it's important, it's I became here illegally. Sure. So going to school, going to university was very tough. I can imagine. You know, you can't apply for any grants to become a doctor. Mm-hmm. You know, it's pretty hard to become a nurse. Mm-hmm. But I went to school to become an LPN. Uh, I started working as in a nursing home. And I got attached with, you know, the patients and the older population were dying on me. And I, it, it is hard on your mental health. So I took a break from that. And I started working for a funeral home. 
Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> All right. Very, that's different. That's their, <laughs> yes, they are very willing. They don't talk back. Yeah, yeah. So uh, <laughs> they, um, I, I was there for a little bit, but eventually you still crave being able to help families, you know, being able to help that individual, having that one-on-one conversation. So I went back into the medical field. This time, instead of being a nurse, I went into the administration side. Mm, okay, see a different side of the Yes, coin. yes. Um, and I started uh, dealing with Medicaid, Medicare, indigent care programs here in Colorado. Mm-hmm. And I started seeing all the discrepancies that were happening among the Latino community. That were the population that was pretty much not getting the resources that they desperately need Mm -hmm. because again most of them were undocumented or um, they come from mixed eligibility Mm -hmm. backgrounds and my job was to seek for those resources i see so that's when you really became the advocacy component as an administrator correct because you saw the behind and you had to exactly but those were just advocating for the immigrants or the migrant families that were here, established here. Now, pandemic comes. <laughs> Everybody got busy. Sure. I even got busy. I started helping the providers, you know, screening people, making sure that they weren't sick. And if they were sick, they needed to come to another door. Going above and beyond. Yes, we wore many hats. Shout out to all the health providers because, I mean, it's just... It was a, a huge burden. Yeah. And Y'all were superheroes. You talking yeah. about growing up being a superhero. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it also highlighted the other side of the coin about the superheroes that were feeding us and how no one was talking about the growers and the workers. And... At this point, all these other organizations that were advocating apprentices for the workers shut down as well. So was the only one doing outreach, educating, telling them, hey, wash your hands. Don't touch your face. If you feel sick, come to the doctor's office. Call me. Don't go to the ER. Why? Because you have no health insurance. You have... You don't have anything here. Let me help you out to seek the better solution for you. So that's when Frontline Farming reached out to me and said, I know that your work is beyond after hours. And truly it is. When you are an advocate. Around the clock. Pretty much. These agricultural workers, I mean, you know, we work from sunup to sundown. Yeah. Yeah. Seasons long. Yes, Exactly. So I was getting phone calls 9, 10, 11 o'clock at night asking me questions. You know, it disrupted my life just a little bit. (laughs) But um, that's when Project Protect reached out to me and said, you're doing this kind of work. Let me help you get you compensated. It's always good. Which, yes, of course, we still got to (laughs) eat. Of course. And at the same time, let's go ahead and try to talk about other things such as their rights. Here in Colorado, for the longest time, they didn't have overtime. Just working at the normal rate. Yes. Wow. They didn't. Was that just for farm workers? Yes. Yes. 
yeah, all the agricultural workers, including the sheep herders, which, you know, there's still no advocacy for sheep herders, minimum. And when we start opening the kind of worms, you know, there's so many issues that we're not talking about when it comes to agricultural workers and just ag workers in general. Came to find out that many of them had kidney stones because they weren't even getting their basic human rights as getting a break and having a drink of water. A drink of water. Yeah, and it gets hot out there. Yes. You know, picking up corn, you know, at 90, 100 degree weather. Mm-hmm. It's like not getting enough water out there. And people are not talking about that. But we sure don't have a problem going and getting our food. And we, and we still don't even think about where our food comes from. That's the big issue. That's, that's <laughs> yes. the big issue. We don't realize <clears throat> where it's coming from and the people behind it. And we really don't pay the true price for food. We're paying a subsidized cost, and that's being artificially kept down. But now we're starting to see the inflation food prices are going up. And so the question is, as food prices go up, do also the folks who are in the industry, are their raises, are their you know, hourly wages going up? Probably not. We're starting to see this continued stratification. And so there definitely needs to be solutions. But what are some solutions you've been pushing you know, to try to create a better situation? Well, I think information education about it. Last year, we finally passed the Bill of Rights SB 87 here in Colorado. So if you are not acquainted with it, read about it. Pretty much it talks about overtime, talks about you know, breaks, talks about water breaks, you know, the short handle hole that a lot of people were still using it here. And bathrooms to provide bathrooms and shade for the workers. So those so basic, basic needs. Yes, right? basic like, needs. But at the same time now, you know, now that's law, it's like you have to do this. Yes. Yeah. And of course, you know, we have the farmers that are not very happy about it. Because it's more costs. Of course. Even though the California passed something even similar, if not better, 30 years ago. (laughs) 30 years? (laughs) You know. Now I need to go see what we got in Texas. Exactly. So it's like, imagine we are still running behind when it comes to labor rights Mm -hmm. with our agricultural workers. My solution is education. Education to the population. Because I believe in teach a man how to fish, mm-hmm. and you will feed them for life, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep, education, so they can advocate for themselves. Because, you know, I'm only in this earth forever. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be able to fix the world, but I want to fix the world for someone. You know, for them to see this as a different, in a different light, to say, okay, I know that I deserve more than what I'm getting compensated here when I'm working from 5 o'clock in the morning to 10 o'clock at night. And they are worth it. You know, you don't see Americans lining up to do those kind of work. You know, it's it's the minority groups. Well, in this present moment and in the past, right, we we know slavery, we know that the genocide of indigenous Americans, um, you know, the fact that we have to use the term illegal when, uh, you know, these populations have been here for uh, millennia, right, till um, beyond memory. So, um, you know, from a legislative standpoint, I'm happy that you're taking action. Um, I think that's really an important piece. And then, 
you know, making sure that that legislation is being enacted at these local levels. And like you're saying, at every farm, right, and, and staying diligent on that. We have a similar organization in, uh, in Texas called Farm and Ranch Freedom Alliance. And so they do some lobbying and advocacy, you know, for grassroots um, initiatives. But, you know, I want to continue learning from you. Um, and the work you're doing uh, here in Colorado. And, you know, we have to work together across state boundaries, right, to make sure that folks who are growing food are compensated properly for food that's being grown and also have the same safe working conditions because we felt the strain during COVID of the food supply, right? Yeah. So, like, yes. factories were shutting down and they weren't processing proteins, which were going up higher. We see a run on eggs. We see a run on milk, right? So, like, Food scarcity is a real thing, and if we value it that much, then we also need to value the folks in the food system from food production and agriculture all the way to food service side of things to, to the composting facilities and doing our part in food waste, right? So all these different components. You know, as we wrap up, is there anything one specifically you'd like to say, or how can folks find out more about the work you're doing? Yeah, of course. We have a website, uh, Frontline Farming. So just come check us out. We do have everything that talks about SB 87, as well as the work that we're doing, you know, statewide. I'm not the only one that is doing this kind of work. I'm not by myself. I do have other, we call it promotoras. Mm. And they go around because we cover a lot of counties. Yeah. And me being by myself, it's not enough. How many counties do y'all cover? I have seven counties. And you I have seven counties? I have seven counties. Oh, my goodness. Yes, and a concentration of a lot of workers. So, you know, there's a lot of need out there. Mm -hmm. And I encourage people to research also what they eat. You know, there's a lot of pesticides out there that we're still not talking about it. How that affects our health. How that affects our workers as oh, well. Yeah. You know, that's not being talked about. You know, mental health is not being talked about. And I'm only talking about the group that I serve, which is the Latino community, Latinx community. They don't talk about mental health. They don't talk about immigration, mental crisis that they have to go through when they cross the border and are away from their homes. So there's all these sensitive subjects that nobody seems like they want to talk about. So I appreciate, you know, the opportunity to be in this podcast. And um, yeah, if you guys want to learn more about it, please just send me an email. My name is Angeles at projectprotectfoodsystems.org. So um, yeah, reach out to me and let's start this conversation. Okay, well, thank you again for being here, you know, providing more education to our community. I'm looking forward to continued conversation. I mean, again, congratulations on being an Aspen fellow. Aspen has brought in folks like us together. We may have never met we before. Haven't. Here we haven't. <laughs> but here we are, you know, collaborating, cross-pollinating, and seeing how we can envision a better future for all. So until next time, peace. Free from the sink. Keep it healthy, but still got that good taste. Got an appetite for flavor and an appetite for taste. If you need a couple corners, I can get you some help. And then I see you on the Cause you need some milk. Living your own with some big dreams. About to make it big on the big screen. Don't pay attention to that TV. So take food. Ain't what you need. Come on the house, let us chop it up. That's been telling me it's made of popular. The youth that are drooping, don't stop it. The youth that are drooping, don't stop it. Okay.
my health wealth. Social change, my fruits and veggies be off the chain. Want real food for real people, gonna break your bread. Cafe, room money, real money, that's all I need. Get the green, broccoli. Wanna make a hundred meals, we done cooked a hundred meals, cause my people gotta eat. Hey, I see you got pulled through.